wings now? My ballerina costume does. Granny? Who are you? No? Uh-uh. I don't remember. What? Hello, little one. <gasps> I am your friend. Welcome to the Kentucky Ghost Hunter Show. This is Dean, the Kentucky Ghost Hunter, with my co-host, Kevin Quappen. Say hello, Kevin. Hello, everybody. And I had a good experience this weekend, and we're going to be discussing where I visited uh, this past weekend. But my, I was out doing some farm work, and my wife walked out and said, hey, what are you doing Saturday? And I said, well, I, I don't really know. I guess, what are we doing? And she surprised me, and uh, we had a room at a little place in Bardstown, Kentucky. And a lot of people that know of Kentucky know Bardstown is very well known for its bourbon. Uh, there's quite a few places there that uh, distribute and uh, and bottle and all that stuff, uh, bourbon whiskey. And it's one of the best places to get bourbon whiskey in the whole world at Bardstown, Kentucky. But they also have something else there called Bardstown Jail, and it's an old jail. Uh, it's one of the top five haunted places in Kentucky. And uh, we're lucky to have Paul McCoy on with us tonight, who is now the owner of the old Bardstown Jail, and Linda Lawrence, who actually lives on the location. Hello to you two. Welcome aboard. Hello. Now, I'm going to start here with Paul. I'm, we're fine, Paul, but i got to ask you a question. I, you know, not many people own jails, and I just kind of, <laughs> how, how did you fall into owning a, the old jail out there in Bardstown? Well, can I tell you a secret? Tell me. I I was an inmate here when it closed in 87. They just <laughs> left me here, and I just took it over. <laughs> no, okay. No. We we family bought it in 88, a year after it was closed, and bought it at an auction and started with my family started it as bed and breakfast, and then I bought into it and took it over. So now I'm going to tell you, it's a great bed and breakfast for anybody that wants to visit Bardstown and stay someplace unique. I, I stayed there. Uh, it was Saturday night. And uh, met Linda there while I was there, and uh, great breakfast, Linda. By the way, I never had Thank what you, you. served. What, what, what was that? We what did you have again on Saturday? I, I can't. I, I don't remember. Was it brick? Was it the, was it the breakfast casserole? Yeah, that's what it was. But it was what was what was in it because it was awesome. It, Thank you. It's sausage, egg, cheese, and hash brown put together. We just put them in muffin pans to make them look pretty, and I'm really glad you enjoyed it. 
Yeah, yeah, it was great. Had fresh food and everything. So when we get off here, I want everybody to know how to go to Bardstown Jail and stay the night there. Bardstown's uh, got a lot of things besides bourbon there. They've also they got the Haunted Hotel, but there's a lot of other stuff, too, so you have to check them out. Now, Paul, tell us the history behind this. This is a very, very old jail. As a matter of fact, uh, there were some hangings that took place in there back in the, I guess it was the 1800s, wasn't it? No, Am I correct in the 1900s was as well. Yeah, I thought... What was the? You guys had the last hanging at that location in the United States, did you not? No. Oh, our last public hanging was in 1926. The last one in the United States was in Orangeburg, Kentucky, 1936. I knew so one of them was Kentucky. I thought it was you guys, but that's cool. You guys still had hangings there out in the courtyard. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell us the story behind the jail real quick. Give us the history of it. Well, it was a jail built in 1819. Uh, the second jail was built in 1874 and used to 1987. When the back jail was built, the front jail was converted into the jailer's residence. And so the jailers has been living on site since about 1874. When you guys, when you first bought it, it wasn't in the greatest conditions from the pictures I saw while I was there. It was pretty bad, wasn't it? It was. It was in pretty bad shape. Uh, could have been, other than being structurally sound, that was the only thing we had going for us, I think. Now, how much, I mean, how long did it take you to get it to turn into a bed and breakfast? Well, uh, it was, a, we bought it in August of 88 and had it open in the spring of 89. But when we started, we started with two rooms on each floor and each floor shared bathrooms. So we slowly added bath, bathrooms in all the rooms now and we've added more. Now we have up to nine bed and breakfast rooms. Now, you know, we've got to ask this. When did people start saying it was haunted? There's an article in the back jail written back in 1909. That was the first mention that I found of anything haunting going on. So, Linda, you live there, correct? Yes, I do. So how long have you been there? Tell us a story about that. How did you end up living in a jail? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I started working here about a year ago. Actually, it's been exactly a year now. And he needed an innkeeper four months ago and asked me and... I accepted the offer. I'm very honored to be here, actually. We're very blessed to have her here with us, too. Thank you. I actually live in four old jail cells that were upstairs, and it's been renovated into an apartment. It's very unique, to say the least, but I love it here. This whole house is wonderful. Now, Paul, I've understood you're a skeptic. Is that correct? (laughs) Not a skeptic as much as it's... Maybe a little bit beyond my comprehension. I I like to feel like there's an energy here, and I feel it's a good energy, and that's about as much as I can comprehend of it. So I am very logical. So People come tell me stories about some of the hauntings. I will try to figure. I try to figure out logically if I can't. Some of them I can. Some of them I can't. Have you ever had experience where you couldn't explain it? To, uh, nothing's ever happened to me, but yes. There are, oh, there's been things that I've not been able to explain, yes. Um, but me, some of those I've debunked as well. Can Do you think, okay, let me, let because me, we're, we're going to be getting into this now. I'm going to hit Linda in a minute, because I know, Linda, you told me a story of when you were uh, upstairs and in, in mm-hmm. bed. Uh, back, I'm going to get to that. But now, Paul, I've heard some stuff from some other people that you had some uh, – and I don't know if you ever explained it or not, but they said a buzzer went off on you or something like that, and it, it was so. <laughs> yes, <okay. laughs> you know there's who told me that story, story Doctor? Yeah, you know, pulling out something that yeah. There, there's one story there that freaked my wife out a little bit because I too lived on site here. For, I've lived here on the jail site for ten years, 
when I moved out, then my man, which is my manager now, lived here for five years after I moved out. Um, so I've lived here for ten years, and one night my wife and I were selling in the bed, and someone started ringing my doorbell. And I didn't at the time. I didn't have just a normal ding dong. I had the fire engine blaring noise that would scare <laughs> wake anybody up. And someone's just holding their finger on that button. I come downstairs, no one was there. Uh, go back upstairs and then I go outside, and the outside doorbell is going off too. I, that one's starting to smoke and smolder. It's been going on for so long. So I cut the wire to that one, cut the wire to the front door, uh, and then the one upstairs was still going off in my apartment. I go up there, and that one's just starting to smolder a little bit, so I cut the wire to that one. Had an electrician come in and check the wiring, rewired it all, and couldn't find the problem. But still would go. I've replaced the transformer and still couldn't get it to go. Uh, finally, we traced one stray wire off by itself, and we cut that wire, and it's worked fine since. Um, what at that time caused it? Don't know. Um, now was it ghost? Just. Just, but just a, a day or so before that, there was a had a clairvoyant and his wife come by, older man come by, and I think he might have stirred some things up. His job was to come into the jail and speak to the ghost and help these spirits move on to the other side. So he wanted a tour of the place, but before I gave him the tour, I let him wander through each room. He walked into the rooms, and he would talk to the spirits, explaining to them, yes, you did not live a great life, but you left a good enough life to continue on to the other side. And so he went throughout the place, and he told me some stories of what he gathered. He gathered a lot. He helped a lot of spirits move on. But as he entered into the back cells, he said he felt a boss spirit, something pushed against him, stopping him from going in there. He pushed through it and helped a lot more of the spirits move on. Now, I'm thinking at this point, oh, so he's helping all the good ghosts leave, but leaving all the really bad ones here. Um, and and honestly, this is a slow winter night, uh, winter day, so it's a nice little break from the a uh, very slow day. And it was a great story, and got to meet him. And some of this, I can't remember all the history that he told me. Some of the things he told me, and some things, what I said, meshed, and some things didn't. It's kind of probably common. Um, so I think we might have stirred up the ghost a little bit that day, right before all my, my activities with the doorbell happened. So now there's a gentleman in the back, and I, I don't want to call him a gentleman or not, but he, he actually was uh, – and I, Linda, you probably know the story I'm, ta- I'm talking about, the, the gentleman that died in the back uh, uh, jail cell there. Do you, do you, are you yeah, recalling what I'm t- – yeah, can you – yeah, tell us a story about him because the, his his wife and I'm not trying to get to the, uh, the the meat of it, but his wife is said to maybe or he still haunts the place. But can, can you tell us that story because that was an extremely interesting story? Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, there was this guy back in the late 1800s named Martin Hill. He lived here in Bartstown, Kentucky. He had a reputation of beating his wife. Apparently, one night he shot her while she was holding a baby, and of course. The baby lived. She died. Of course, they locked him up for that. And apparently he got deathly sick. They didn't know what was wrong with him. He was moaning and groaning. And one day the jailer comes in to check out the condition of Martin Hill, and he was already gone. 
Um, they were going to take him out to the gallows, but he beat the gallows by dying inside of the jail cell. And the article we have back in the back from 1909, I'm pretty sure it's some inmates making remarks about, you know, hearing things coming from that cell that he was in. A lot of people like to say at the time that the, the ghost of his wife came back and got him for revenge. So it's kind of a cute story, but to present day, there's still people saying that they hear things in that cell. And Lisa, that lived here for five years, said she did hear it one night. It was very distinct. So, and a lot of ghost hunters get a lot of activity coming from that particular cell. Now, have you ever heard the screams yourself, Linda, or, or, or is it I just Lisa? I haven't. I have not. So but what I happens? I mean, have you, you have you you've been there when it, when somebody else has though? Is that correct? Yeah. Somebody else. Yeah. Okay. My question is, what was the reaction the people had when they heard the scream? Did they just? I mean, has anybody just absolutely just got up and left the jail because of something like that? Said I'm not I'm not staying here. I don't think so. The only time I ever thought someone left the jail was. Last Halloween, there was people that stayed in the room upstairs. It was actually the room that you stayed in, the library room. And uh, they didn't come for breakfast the next morning. Well, it was checkout time, and they they weren't out of the room. I thought they, they were still there. I didn't see their key. Well, I knocked on the door, and I got the extra key and opened it up, and nothing in there had been touched, but there was a Ouija board laying out on the bed. And that was it. it. It was like something freaked them out. They took off and they left the key in the mailbox. That's why I didn't see it. And all day long, I was hearing things upstairs. It just didn't seem like it was anything good. And also, on the same day, there was a woman that was a guest here. They got a picture from the outside of the jail, and there's an image in the window. I, I Actually, it looks like a few different kinds of Im images, but the first thing I seen was a man. Um, really can't explain it. I thought it was pretty cool, actually, but that's the only time I know about someone leaving, but I'm sure it's happened before. But typically, people love this place. You know, we let them make themselves at home, and whatever's here, it's not bad. I wouldn't be here if they were bad, so... They don't. Yes, people have left. Oh, they have left. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. <laughs> tell tell some stories about it, Paul. Because what's that now? Tell some stories about it. You know, yeah. people's well, left. What was the cause of leaving? The the one that I'm thinking of right now was I had a uh, a group in the garden room staying the night. It was uh, one lady's been here multiple times and a, a bunch of new people. Well, they are all here looking for the ghost. It was uh, I think a uh, two ladies, a young, uh, like a teenager, and a man. Well, they wanted to hear stories, and my uh, Lisa started telling them some stories and everything else. And then she went on to bed, and then they, about, I don't know, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, they rang the, door the doorbell, wanting her attention. They're a little bit freaked out. She went in the room, kind of told the ghost, leave them alone, that they're wanting to go sleep now. And that typically works. Uh, but about 15 minutes later, they got hold of her again. This time, the two ladies were at the front door, but the teenager and the man were outside the door, scared to come back in. And they said they've had enough and they needed to go. Did they ever elaborate uh, on what happened? Uh, I think that I think 
the teenager felt someone touch her shoulder or her hair, I think, something like that. This has been quite a few years ago. So the details might be a little fuzzy. Um, things were happening to them, and some could have been their imagination. Some of it could be things that were just touching them because they were in the garden room, and that one is haunted by Joshua, a seven- or eight-year-old little boy that haunts that room apparently. Well, tell us a story about Joshua real quick, because I haven't heard him. Lisa and Linda didn't tell me about Joshua. Yeah, Joshua is just, I don't know any history about him per se, but uh, uh, so it goes, uh, Ghost Hunters got a work, got a name, Joshua came out, and they apparently found out that he was a young boy. I've heard different stories of, there's nothing historically documenting that him here, just uh people talking and as the lore has kind of built up as over the years um seven or eight year old boy lived here i've heard everything that he was here with his father i've heard things he was a uh possibly his family was a jailer because at the time this front building was a very large building for one family so sometimes extended families would be living with the jailer and his family his or her family now Linda, I'm going to ask, because we talked before when I got up in, in the morning and walked out and you were doing, well, I guess it was after breakfast, I was going downstairs, but we talked a little bit. And I told you that mm-hmm. my wife was with me over the weekend. And she actually had, uh, she felt somebody like flick her hair, like uh-huh. uh, Paul was just explaining. You said that happens a lot there, the ear flickering and yeah, all that I've stuff? Yeah, a lot of those kinds of complaints. Somebody gets their ear flicked or they thought they'd been touched and no one was there that, you know, to touch them. But, yeah, um, Actually, that just happened to Lisa the other day, not too long ago. She said it sounded just, or it felt just like somebody touched her, came up behind her. So I, I hear that a lot. So that's a common occurrence there. Yeah, I think so. Good. I had experience tell- last night with my guests. Oh, tell us about it. Come on, Paul. You got to open up now. Oh, this is my one of my guests this morning at breakfast time uh, was telling me that she woke up middle of the night and saw. I thought she said a vase, but she said a man's face was floating over her head. Wow. That just happened in, that would have been in the colonial room last night. Now, where's the colonial room located at? The one at the bottom of the stairs. Okay, okay. As you go, I tell you what, Linda, do us a quick fair, because a lot of people have never been there, and we're talking about all these rooms and everything. Can you give us a quick uh, overview of what the what, what jail looks like, starting from the entrance, just kind of go through what's in each each section real quick so they can get a kind of understanding of what we're talking about. We name rooms and stuff. Uh, the colonial room is downstairs. It was actually used for the jailer's room originally, I believe. And if you remember, I don't know if you've seen it or not, it's the room downstairs that has the pineapples in it. It's a very beautiful room. I, I believe it was the room of Miss McKay. She was a jailer here once, I believe, in the 50s. And um, what else did you need to know? Well, just let's uh, when you walk in the front entrance there, that that front entrance there, uh-huh. um, and you go through it, and, and then there is a uh, um, where you guys have your desk at. What are the rooms called, and what did they used to be upstairs? And then there's another room that the two ladies, I'm not going to name their names, but the two ladies stay at downstairs. What were mm-hmm. what were they called? Well, the first room in the house is called the Victorian room, and originally I think that was just used for. Um, a room to store office papers. It was never used for a jail cell or anything like that. The second room is the colonial room, which I believe was the jailer's bedroom. 
upstairs, there's three rooms. Those are the rooms that originally held the inmates. Two of the rooms had jail cells in them, and one of the rooms upstairs was actually used for a dungeon room where they kept the inmates shackled to the floor. Now, the room that I stayed in, was there? they had four cells in that at one time. Did they not? Is that correct? In the library room, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I think Lisa was telling me that they had four cells in there one time, and I was gonna—I yeah. was just gonna mention that the uh, back in the day they had those cells, man. That man had that had to be terrible because, I mean, if you had four cells in that room and you guys created the window there, that window was the only thing they had for circulation. It was pretty bad conditions for those guys up there, wouldn't you say? I think it was horrible. I don't believe there were any windows up there when it was being used to hold inmates. Now downstairs, when the back part of that, Paul, is that was that in addition to the original jail, the back part of the cells? Well, there's there's two there's the eighteen nineteen jail where all the a lot of bed and breakfast rooms are. Then the part that we give tours of the back part that still looks like the jail that was built in eighteen seventy four. The two were connected around nineteen eleven with that, which is, later became the women, which was became the women's cell or trustees' quarters. Um, which is now that black and white cell room that we rent out as a bed and breakfast room. It's the only one that still looks and feels like a jail cell. Yeah, I saw it inside. That's pretty cool. You, it's now you've remodeled a little bit. It's not the typical jail cell, but it does kind of still resemble one, doesn't it? <laughs> right. Yeah, there's two of the original bunks and a full bed in there. It's all done in black and white. It has Elvis doing Jailhouse Rock and James Dean being the rebel. Kind of our rebel room or fun room. Uh- Okay, Linda, now's your chance. You told me a ghost story that, that happened to you. I want you to kind of tell everybody what happened to you. I did. I still haven't found the explanation for it. It was right when I had first moved in, maybe two weeks in there. I felt something like a chill over my legs. I was laying in bed, and it just seemed like there was somebody standing there at the edge of the bed. And when I looked up at the ceiling, I saw what looked like a lit cross. Well, I didn't have any candles burning. I didn't have a light on. I'm high up a little bit, so there wasn't a street light reflecting through my window. And it just stayed there. And I could just feel somebody standing there watching me, which I I didn't see anything, but I could feel that. And it wasn't uncomfortable. I, I, I actually just stared at it for about 30 minutes and went to sleep. And I, I've been looking for an explanation. I still haven't found one yet. But I, I don't know exactly what that was. But I didn't take it as a bad sign or anything. But I always feel something in in my apartment up there. It seems like there's a presence of, of, of a male. But it also seems like there's different spirits that come and go throughout the whole house. But I haven't actually, you know, felt anything bad in here. But the whole lit cross thing above my head was a little bit strange. And I'm always hearing, it's like someone's knocking on my door. Knock, knock. And that's been going on ever since I moved in. And, and Lisa said she she dealt with that when she lived here. And another thing that I think is weird is Lisa told me that she keeps hearing me talk when I'm not here. She said it's like there's a spirit back there mimicking my voice. And that's kind of creepy. Cause, you know, it's like, my, why my voice? You know, what, what are they doing? You know, it's like, are they just trying to mess with her? 
But she's been telling me this since uh, last October. She's heard it a few times, and I'm never around, and she never can make out what I'm saying. And I hear voices. I don't know. It's the same thing. It's not my voice, but I'll hear voices, and I can never make it out. Now, one day I did hear a a, a male voice say, ma'am, and that was it. You know, it was kind of there wasn't anybody around. You know, it didn't really scare me, but I don't know what he wanted. I'm sure, you know, of course he was here before I was. And the only thing that I've actually seen other than the cross are shadows, like like a shadow of a person, but there's no one there. And there was a ghost hunter down in the old jail part one night, and I walked up to my apartment, and when I came back down, he was looking at me all freaked out, and I said, what's going on? He said, when you walked up to your apartment, there was this huge shadow following you. And I'm like, oh, wow, you know, that's that's crazy. You know, that kind of gave me the chills a little bit. But as far as ghost stories, I really wish Lisa was here because she's got so many more than I do because she's been here longer, of course. But like I said, there's definitely something here, whether you're a believer or not. But overall, it's a beautiful home, and it's a really unique place to stay. I think it's one of the most unique places in Bardstown, maybe even the state of Kentucky, because you just don't come across places like this too often. And I'm glad you enjoyed your stay. So thank you. So I have a question for you. Um, I'm a big history buff. I love history. Mm-hmm. If I recall your jail now, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I remember correctly, was that not a hideout for Frank and Jesse James? Where they would hide out there because they were related to the jailer's wife? Is that correct or no? Uh, Jesse James's wife was first cousins with the jailer. Jesse James would hide out here quite often. It was like a safe place for him because him and Sheriff Donnie Pence served in the Civil War together. And apparently Jesse James saved his life at one point in the Civil War. So whenever he was out on the run, the law was looking for him, he would let him hide out here. And a lot of times he would be hiding out underneath the jail so nobody would find him. And he also spent plenty of time next door at the Talbot Tavern. So, And he had friends and family here in this town. Obviously, this was a safe place for him. But yeah, now, he spent was, a lot of time here. Did Frank spend time there, too, or just Jesse? Paul? Yes, but, uh, Frank and Jesse both spent time okay, here. Okay, I wasn't okay. sure about Frank. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, well, I figured they robbed trains together, so I figured they're hanging out together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had a lot of family in this area. The, uh, the, like she said, the sheriff's wife was their first uh, was their first cousin, and they would come here and be safe from the law within the law here, knowing that their buddy and family member was not going to arrest them. See, I think that's fascinating. Now, my question here: If you ever had a now, I don't really probably believe their spirits rest there, but do you ever had a ghost hunter try to tell you that they think Frank and Jesse are there? I've heard that, but um, they, they, I hear a lot more of that next door at Talbot Tavern about Frank and Jesse. I think they like the drinks over there better than the cells over here. <laughs> well, I can see if they want to hang out in Bardstown because of the drinks. <laughs> we got the spirits, that's for sure. Yep. That's for sure. That's Now, I hope you don't mind, Paul, but t- the tavern next door, Do you know how old was that? I know it used to be a stagecoach stop, and it's got one of the oldest... Right. Uh, 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 bars in the in the United States, I guess, but 
What year? Do you know what year and all that? That was. Uh, it's, it's listed as a 1779 is when it was supposedly a part of it was built. Um, I don't know how much of the original of it is still there, but it's been a stagecoach stop since 1779. Yes. Now it's supposed to be haunted too. Is that not correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, of course, you two might know this: that limestone is the conduit for the spirit world, and that's what Bardstown's uh, built on—all limestone. Not only for the spirit world, but for the bourbon spirits too. <laughs> I, I guess you have enough of the bourbon spirits; you can see a lot of the other spirits, couldn't you? <laughs> so the courtyard itself, there's pictures on your walls in in your your um, bed and breakfast there that show the hangings that occurred. Um, kind of, if you don't care, Paul, you sound like a good history buff, and you've you've looked mm-hmm. into. Can you kind of describe what if if we were to walk into the hanging back in the 1800s, back in the courtyard, what would we experience and what would we see? Well, during the during the I can of the few I've known, heard about, we about 20 legal hangings that took place here, but many more lynchings also would take place. Um, they would open the back doors and allow the public in. And then they would parade the the uh, the inmate out. It'd be the sheriff, the jailer, and uh, the probably a priest um, would be all. Would the priest would uh, administer last rites when he's up on the platform, and uh, then the sheriff would typically pull. I guess the sheriff or the jailer would pull the lever. Now on the wall, and I, I don't so keep, were, yeah. It would crowd of people that would fill in the courtyard. They'd sit on the. We have a ten foot limestone wall surrounding our courtyard, and men would sit on the wall watching the hanging. Now, only men would come into the hanging. The women and children would be outside the wall having like a picnic, and just. And I heard little boys would climb trees and look down to be able to watch it. But apparently, they in this county didn't think it was um, appropriate for women and children to see this hanging. Now, Linda, since you live there, has there been any kind of stories you've heard from people that have visited or even ghost hunters that have been, been there that they've experienced anything in the courtyard? Um, in the courtyard. I've heard people say that they felt chills going through their body out in the courtyard, and that's happened to me as well. And that's happened to people in the house, too. So do you guys have any rules whatsoever? Now, if somebody calls you up, Paul or Lennon says, hey, we want, we're a ghost hunter. We want to come investigate. And I know they've done it before, but do you have any specific rules for them, or is it just they're on their own yeah, when they get there? We do. Uh, first of all, they have to rent a room to be able to have like a, a home base or anything like that. And they must respect our other guests that come in here. Uh, and typically 99% of them have been fantastic. They come in, they're quiet, they're respectful of the other guests. They don't make a lot of noise or anything like that. Um and often I like to suggest to them to rent the jail cell room in the back. That way they have full access to the courtyard and the back cells at any time through the night without disturbing anybody because that is away from all the other rooms. Um, I've had some guests and I've had some guests uh, uh, that are here, ghost hunters coming out. Uh, and you get all kinds. Uh, you get those, I'm sure like you, your group are, there's some that are come in. That might spend two dollars and ninety nine cent for an app, and then sometimes I've had guests come in with thousands of dollars worth of, worth of equipment. 
have any of seen... them ever shared equip any of their evidence with you at all? Or they, oh yes, they're typically happy with what they find. Um, EVPs seem to be very popular here. Um, uh, now there's that's where I get in. I'm a little skeptic, I guess, because too many variables kind of come around when the EVPs. They could be picking up someone whispering at the end of the hall. Um, right. So, uh, but most of my guests come here and they hear some noises and they're happy with what they had. Uh, some photos and some pictures and videos. They're typically happy with what they come and find. Yeah, the best way to get an EVP in your building probably would be if you had the whole place yourself. Right, and to we've had pretty much eliminate jail before too. Yeah, when's was... the best? When's the best time to come down if somebody wants to? I mean, I know you've, you're booked up spring and summer and fall usually because that's the right. best prime time. But winter it's, it's winter time. It's a, it's you'll have a more time, more chance of having the place quiet and maybe just yourself if you don't want to rent the whole place out. Weekends do still fill up pretty well, even in the winter time. January, February are slowest months. So uh, I I want to add something to what you guys are saying because Lisa, me and her talked for a little bit too, and during the hanging portion of it, and Linda, you you correct me if I'm wrong about this, but uh, and I I hate to go back to this, but I just thought about it while we were talking. At the end of the hanging, did the citizens of Bardstown not take the body and parade it around town as well and and sit it up at the front of the yeah. courthouse so people would? Am I telling the right here, Linda? Yeah. Is that correct? How they did? They did, and they left the body in front of the courthouse uncovered for I think three days before they buried the body, mm-hmm. I guess to set an example to the other people in town. And then the uh, the jailer would be responsible, if no one claimed the body, the jailer would be responsible for burying the body. Now, how many other locations in Bardstown? I know you've got, you, you're there and the tavern's there, but Bardstown's an old town, and is there other haunted locations down there that maybe we don't know oh. about? Oh, yes, there's a... Maybe not so many bread and breakfast. There's numerous buildings, and of course we have the Pioneer Cemetery from right directly behind us too. We have a there's a ghost walk that goes around through the summertime on Saturdays. Patty Starr, I'm sure you're probably familiar with her, she comes down here and gives a phenomenal ghost walk through the town on Saturdays during uh, the summer. Starts in June, I think. Oh, well, I didn't know she did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Been when, did she, for, when did she start doing that? She's probably been doing this 15 years, probably. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I, I, and I know who she is and everything. I did not know she did that. So I guess I'm going to try yeah. to come down and hear that. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll, and I've got, and this is more interesting than it is scary, but in the back there, um, and it's it's something that I didn't know about. And a lot of people, uh, Lisa actually told me this story, too. I wish she was on here so I could hit her brain there a little bit but uh and linda you can probably answer this too a lot of people think in these older cemeteries when you see the concrete little uh i guess thing that goes over a grave they think that's the uh, a mausoleum or something like a crypt or yeah. something down there tell them what the real reason that's because it really shocked me when lisa told me that but when she said it it made a lot of sense to me the real reason i just always thought it was something symbolic there's not actually a body in the concrete it's under the ground i believe and i really don't know well i'm gonna i'll, I'll tell you because at least it told me and it shocked daylight side of me but when she said it like i said it made a lot of sense but back in the 1700s and 1800s they did and I, you know what i learned this we were actually coming home from kentucky and i don't remember where we stopped at but they were having something uh a uh 
a ceremony for the first governor of Kentucky. And I can't remember where that is or where we stopped at. But make a long story short, his grave had these all over too. And I used to think that, like you said, it was symbolic. But I found out they put those things on there so the animals wouldn't dig the bodies up because they didn't have the embalming that we have today. So uh-huh. when somebody would be buried, they would put those concrete uh, looks like mausoleums or something on. You know what I'm talking about, Kevin? When mm-hmm. you go to these old cemeteries, and yeah, you see those. A, it's just it's a crypt. Yeah, a crypt, but it's actually designed, and I did not know this. It's not really a crypt. There's no body. They actually bury the body. The, the crypt was put on there to keep the animals from digging them up. So that was kind of an interesting thing. Have you ever heard that, Kevin? Or I've that, never heard of that in my life. Yeah, yeah, that's no. what uh, Lisa's actually. And I looked it up on the internet, and she was right. So. Hey, we're doing a little history for everybody tonight, too, so everybody just learned something new. <laughs> I would have never known that if it wasn't for Lisa, so tell her I said thank you, because I learned something new. But now, Paula, you've uh, you've been there a long time. You have, too, Linda. Have you guys ever seen anything in the cemetery or heard any stories about the uh, being? Because I know you got two Revolutionary War soldiers that are buried there, correct? Right. And a- has there been any stories of ghosts in the cemetery? Oh, yes. A lot of orbs. A lot of orbs appear in the cemetery. There have been numerous guests of mine who can go out in the cemetery late at night and take pictures, and their orbs are abundant throughout it. Excellent. So at this whole t- this area that you're in, the whole area is basically one haunted location. If somebody came down mm-hmm. and stayed in your bed and breakfast, there's plenty of places to investigate it, correct? Right. Between now, how far, how, how far down is the liquor? I mean, I, I've, <laughs> and I hate to say right that. Right around the corner. I, yeah, I thought it was because I got I got in the car. Me and my wife did, and we got lost. And every time we turned around, we were going by the storage units where they kept the barrels of liquor. So there's a lot there, isn't there? <laughs> oh yes. Now, can can people investigate? I think there's a place down there. I've never been to it yet. Um, it's called the Wickland. It's a three governors home or something. Mm-hmm. Can people Wickland. investigate that as well, or is that just a, they, is that like a museum? They do, only? Uh, they do occasionally open that up. Previous years, uh, they used to have two. Uh, Psychics that were you know, their twin sisters, and would, but I think that stopped. They, I think, uh, they got to be too intense for one of them, so they both just stopped. Okay. Now, do you ever get concerned with people come in there? They may not cause a disturbance to your guests, but what if they were to play with a Ouija board or try to open doorways up, trying to, you know, conjure? Even though they wouldn't necessarily upset your guests but you guys would even know what's going on but you ever have concerns with that at all with having a public building not till now okay <laughs> good job kevin <laughs> sorry i mean i'm just saying Thanks, kevin i mean there's no i'm just saying i, mean, I just well, it's always a, a topic with me yeah and i i was listening because you said that linda you said that there was a, a guest there that was playing with a ouija board and they left so i was going to ask the same thing kevin when i when i was kind of is do you have any kind of set of rules at all for not playing with Ouija boards and all that when an investigator comes in, or is no? We have a Ouija board here for their use. Oh, I've wow. actually uh, played with it with the guests before. I've been messing with Ouija boards probably since I was eight years old, and I, I believe if you if you use them correctly, you're probably going to be all right. But a lot of people just don't know how to use them correctly or sign off on them. And they can bring some bad juju. Um, I won't play with one in my apartment, but if some guests come and they want to hang out and play with the Ouija board a little bit back in the old jail cells or anywhere else in the house, I'll be more than happy to. But, you know, just in case, 
there's already yeah. enough going on in my apartment. Well, that's what I'm I saying. Believe. I don't. If things come through, I mean, I don't want to scare anybody, but a shadow figure. I don't really believe shadow figures are human spirits. I think they're another dimensional being. That's why I was just wondering when you mentioned shadow figures and then the Ouija board thing. I was curious. But it's a whole other of, whole other subject. Yeah, <laughs> but speaking of which, now and I and I, Lisa told me stories. I don't know if Linda she told you about this, but she told me stories that she saw shadow people too. But she's yeah. actually seen full apparitions too, hasn't she? Yes. Do you can you tell us that? I mean, she did she relay it to you what what happened? Well, one night she was she was in her bedroom apparently, and which is, was an old jail cell, of course. And she said this man just walked in her room, like just like it was real as it could be, and I, I guess he just disappeared. And I think that might be the most distinct thing that she has seen here. Because I've heard her tell me the story a few times, and it shook her up a little bit. Obviously, um, I haven't seen that. I, I don't really care to, but I, I do believe there is a male spirit up there. I can just feel it, and I've been playing around with these things here recently. Called um, they actually belong to the jellers, and they're called witching rods. Mm-hmm. Dowsing rods. Yeah, they're just like a really simple, low tech, you know, ghost hunting device thing. Yeah. And they you use ask those yes or no qu- questions. Yeah, and they like actually they... use those to find uh, water. They can also find supposedly treasure and things like that. But they definitely, I knew that they find water uh, sources and stuff. Uh huh. So yeah. they're more than just they're actually more than just a ghost hunting tool. Yeah. So. Well, what was your experience when you did the Ouija board, though, Lynn? I'm kind of interested in that. I mean, you did you have good response from went, it? A little bit. Not a whole lot went on. There was a couple guys there that maybe been drinking a little bit. They weren't taking it too serious. And that's one of the things. If, if, if everyone's not into it, it might not even work. <clears throat> but we did get it to, you know, say a few things. It wasn't much or anything that made sense at all. And I just closed off on it. Now I have had times where I've played the Ouija board and asked it questions, and I can't really remember off the top of my head right now what they were, and have gotten answers. But usually after a few minutes of messing around with it, I'll close off anyway. So do you do it by yourself there, or do you have somebody with you all the time? Always have somebody with you. Like That's the number one rule is never play the Ouija board alone. And people make that mistake a lot. That could be bad. That's why I was asking, because you were saying you were playing with it. And I was like, oh, man, I wonder if she was doing it by herself or she had somebody else with her. I just wanted to, I was asking for that reason. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I always have somebody else with me. It's just been a while since I messed around with it. Have you ever seen seen an apparition? I've always seen one in my lifetime. But I'll be honest with you, it was my holy, holy shit moment. But. I hope I can say that on the air, Dean. You can um, say it. Go ahead. We're on. We're on the internet. We're fine. <laughs> but um, when you see it, it, it startled me at first when I saw one. But really, it's nothing bad. If you see an apparition, it's usually a, it's a positive thing. It's not a bad thing. So yeah. don't be alarmed if you actually see one. I I, I would love to see another one. First one kind of scared me at first because I have never seen one before. But now I'm kind of like I wish I'd seen another one. I'd be more wouldn't be so freaked I would out be at first. Honored to see one. I haven't ever, and I I really want to. 
Uh, maybe yeah. that's why I haven't seen them yet. <laughs> well, I wasn't trying to see mine. Mine was by accident, and that was kind of the neat thing. It's like you don't. I think so. I think you're right. Sometimes you want to see something so bad, you mm-hmm. kind of block yourself off to it. So. Yeah, cause you know, our other innkeeper, um, he had seen some things, and he didn't want to see them. Me, on the other hand, I'm a little, I'm a little bit different. I'm a little bit on the the weird side, or if you want to call it that. I want to see things, and I, I don't. Like I said, the shadows I've seen, I've heard the voices, I hear knocks. There's times where we can't keep a dish in our hand around here. It's just like somebody will knock it right out of your hand. When I first started here, I couldn't tell you how many coffee pots I broke, and I couldn't believe this was happening. Like, I barely had to touch it. It was just like something was messing with me right away. And that eventually stopped. Um... But, yeah, any more questions before we have to head out? Well, my, here's, here's what I need to ask you, because you said that the other innkeeper, can you tell some of the stories about what he what he saw, or what, he, what he experienced? I know he's not there, so to ask him himself. He actually he, saw Joshua. And, like, Joshua hardly ever comes out from his room upstairs. Apparently he came down here in the lobby and saw him. And he has seen men in the jail cells downstairs he's claimed you know coming back you know home to his apartment and i mean he's claimed to see stuff in his apartment and he was pretty freaked out about it so you know i might believe him uh i do believe that he saw joshua and i've talked to a couple of other guests who have seen him as well i just never have i might have got a glimpse of something one day from the corner of my eye i was cleaning in the room and Something looked like it jumped out from underneath the bed, and I actually saw the bottom of the bed skirt move up. And by the time I looked, I didn't see anything. But that was the room Joshua was in. And you could feel a presence in there. Just about every room we have in here is like a different, you could feel a different presence in each room. But most of the time, it's peaceful, and it's not a bad thing, so I don't want to scare anyone off. Now, do you guys notice there's more activity in certain times of the year? Like maybe in the I summer it's not yet. as active, but it's more... What's that? I haven't noticed that yet, no. But Lisa says that there's less activity in the summer because there's more people here, I guess. No, I mean, activity can still be there. You just don't notice it as much. What's that, Dean? Well, I was going to say, Lisa seems to have... She's been. How long was Lisa there, Linda? Five years. Yeah, she's seen, and she had an experience over in the tavern, too, did she not? Uh-huh, that was her first experience, actually. She didn't believe in ghosts before that. Apparently one night she was working there, closing the place up, and she seen a sugar bowl, like a little ceramic bowl that you keep sugar packets in. She saw one of those floating in the air, and the sugar packets just came flying out of it like someone was tossing it out of the sugar bowl. And it freaked her out pretty bad, and she got somebody, and they went back, and I'm pretty sure she said there wasn't even a sugar bowl or any sugar packets laying on the floor, but she knows what she's seen, and that definitely made her a believer. Yeah, she told me that story, too, and she said when they, I guess it was the boss or whatever she picked up and went back in, and she said there was not a sugar packet anywhere. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah. I mean, yeah, and now, do you have any experiences with people that, like, I mean, if you don't, if you've never been here, folks, the, the jail is, I mean, you can throw a rock and 
hit the tavern without any problem. It's that close to the jail. Has there been any, any crossover stories of somebody seeing something at the tavern and then seeing it at the jail, too? Same thing? Not that I've heard of. No, no, I can't think of any specific spirits that's haunted both places. I think they start at the tavern and then get thrown in the jail, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> So now me, the, the me, old gentleman. Go ahead, Kevin. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I have a question. So, is there any history of his curiosity? I mean, you may not know, but since you know, Bur- Bourbon is basically Barstown is probably the bourbon capital of the world. Do people who stayed in the jail cells were they? Ever, I mean, is there any history ever of anybody? Um, they were able to drink while they're in there. They were given drinks all the time with the distilleries around the area. Like, if you're an inmate, if you're an inmate of that jail, were those? Uh, Inmates ever ever given like alcohol, being that well, bourbon was so prominent there. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story I had back early on when I started here. Had an older gentleman, a little black man. I mean, he's older. I mean, he's probably about five foot two. He was a trustee here for a couple of years, and a trustee's a prisoner for Arnes Guards Trust. Uh, and oftentimes, they would help with cooking and cleaning and tending to the other inmates. So they often could sleep in what would been the that women's cell if there were no women prisoners here. Uh, and he said that the jailer most nights would not even lock his door. But what he would do around dusk would be walk out into the courtyard anytime he wanted to. He'd walk out in the courtyard, but around dusk he'd go out there, jump the wall, go over to the corner liquor store, get a couple of belts in him, climb back, climb over the wall, and go back to his cell. He said he's very proud of the fact he never got caught. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I think it sounds uh, like the Grand County. Uh, that's a, yeah, it does. But man, I mean, that wall's tall. How'd that little guy crawl that thing? Because it's a stone uh, wall. I mean, yeah. When the desire is strong enough, I think you can do just about anything. Yeah, you can. Hey, listen, real quick, Paul. Since I I, I meant to mention this, the the jail when it was built, and Lisa told this to to me, and and I want you to kind of elaborate. There was. The, the people that constructed the jail, and I'm saying this because there's a lot of people out there that uh, like history, but um, am I not mistaken that the front part of the jail was built by slaves and the back part was built by inmates? Is that correct? Uh, the front part was built by, by slaves. The back jail was more skilled laborers. Okay, now I'm how big... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I mean, how big were, now? This is made out of limestone. How big were those? And I hope I'm not asking something that, that's putting you on the spot. But how big were those bricks? Is that because it's a, it's a brick building, but it's big limestone bricks. Right. Do you know how well, big those 18, bricks were? And how the 1819 jail walls are 30 inches thick, saw limestone, but there's two layers of stone on each wall, so they're manageable by a very strong one man could probably lift one stone. Or now the back jail, the walls are 22 inches thick, but they are one solid piece, one solid stone. And some of them are up to 5, 6, 8, 10 feet long. Uh, how they constructed the back jail cells uh, to get those those huge pieces up high, they had, if you next time you come, you'll see what looks like bullet holes in the stone. Well, they actually would have put ice tongs into those holes and used a pulley system to lift them up into place. So more skilled labor was used for the back cells. And if you look at the top of the back of it, you'll see the dental work at the very top of it. So it's a little more ornate, while the front part, more basic square stone. 
And the, the back part, part of it there where they had the, I want to say, more recent jail cells, but they weren't very recent at all. I'm, that's just they're more recent than the ones that were upstairs. But I noticed that they had these slots in the walls that you could actually see outside. Too. Right. Now, Lisa was telling me, and, and if you can elaborate on that, that was the only, I mean, what they didn't have heat and stuff back in the 1800s. So were they all open to the elements? During the wintertime, they, they were open to the elements, and, but during the wintertime, they may put a window, a wood or metal screen just to block the wind. It still got cold back there. Being put back in the cells in the wintertime could have been a death sentence. Now, but then around 1950, they put the, uh, the hot water boiling system, boiler system in, and when they did that, they bricked up all the windows. So there was no sunlight coming into the jail after 1950. They bricked them up. And we've gone through and opened up some of those windows back through, like like you saw. Right, right. And the plexiglass you have there now, back in the old days, right. that wasn't there. That was, yeah, they didn't have it then. But I guess there was no heat back there at all then, was there, during the, yes, there before the 1950s? There were, so uh, was there? There were fireplaces back there. Okay, because I, I didn't see them. Are they gone now? or The, the chimneys are gone, yes. Okay, because okay. I I always was thinking about that when Lisa was telling me that I was like, man, that must have been really cold there because you know you have open windows and I didn't see heat. I was like, do you know if anybody you know passed away from being cold or anything like that back there? Yeah, I'm sure it happened. Okay, all right, and I'm sorry I got off the subject, but I just thought about that because I was thinking you were talking about the bricks and I was started thinking about those windos. I don't know why that got on my mind so much. So. Right. <laughs> But it did. I so give you back to the ghost story. Before you have to go. Yeah, go uh, ahead. Go ahead. The, go ahead. Jail, the jail itself is made out of limestone, but it also sets on top of limestone. And it at one time was connected with the St. Joe Caves that run all underneath Bargetown. The jail, the tavern, the previous courthouse are all connected to the cave at one time. Now, at all parts, of, most, almost all the parts of the jail, the cave system has been uh, either closed off or caved in. But... It's uh, but that one time they were transport prisoners from the from the jail underground through the cave system to the previous courthouse. Oh wow! No, and I, I just brought up something too because Kevin was asking about Frank and Jesse James. Now they hid in some of those caves, did they not? Yes, not probably not those, or to my knowledge, I have not heard about those. But there are some caves around this area that they did hide out in. Yeah, they're telling me that uh, they would hide into, they'd go underneath the cave and they could have a campfire and everything down there and, and the smoke would not uh, be seen and they were easily hidden that way too. Mm-hmm. And uh, So we only got a couple minutes left, so do me a favor here, Linda. Is there anything you want to tell anybody about the place before we sign off? I would just say it's a wonderful place to visit and for whoever's listening, please schedule a room with us one day uh we welcome everyone and i'm glad that you had the opportunity to come here and i had the opportunity to meet you and uh well we were very glad to meet you yeah yeah now paul yes sir schedules time now when you guys have and I, I, we only got a couple minutes left. But when you do these ghost hunt things, when people can come in now, there's probably going to be more people. Since uh, people that don't know about you are going to know about you now, is there specific? Um, and I don't want to say rules. Uh, we got about 90 seconds. I tell you what, we got 90 seconds left. So do me a favor, Paul. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, and, uh, right. and if they want to reserve one of those rooms for a ghost hunt. All right. Of course, this is Jailers in Bed and Breakfast. The number is one eight hundred nine four eight five 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 one. 
or you can c- go to our website, which is jailersian.com, all one word, all lowercase, and view the rooms that we've been talking about. How much is uh, how much is a quick quick question? If somebody wants to investigate, how much is a, the, one of the rooms? Because they're going to ask me anyway, so you might as well go ahead. Right. Most of them run from 145 to 165 from the, in the main house. Right, right. And Paul and Linda, I want to say thank you for being on our show tonight. It was an awesome privilege. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, thank thanks, you. And, uh, yeah, and if you guys listen, I've been to the bed and breakfast. If you ever want a little vacation time, you want to do some ghost hunting, folks, that's a good place to go to. It's in Bardstown, Kentucky. It's, it's pretty close to Louisville, Kentucky. That's probably 30 or 40 minutes from Louisville, I think. But to check it out. And uh, always go to KentuckyGhostHunter.com to find out what's going on. You can follow us at Facebook at the Kentucky Ghost Hunter. You can follow our show at the Kentucky Ghost Hunter Show. And you can follow us at Twitter at, at underscore KY underscore Ghost Hunter. Special little shout-out to my wife saying goodnight to her lover and everybody else that listens to her. Kevin, say goodnight to everybody real quick. Hey, goodnight, everyone. And we'll see you next Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Central Time, same station, same place. Thank you, folks. See you next week.